want to thank you for being here with us uh, on the Profitable Podcast. Uh, that word profitable uh, refers to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, where the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, uh, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so I'm sure as we open up the Word of God today, it's going to be a profitable time. So I hope you'll take your Bible and uh, follow along with us. And uh, we're going to be looking at the second epistle of Peter and chapter 2. And so uh, just to kind of uh, give us a reminder uh, about the context of this chapter, chapter 1 uh, sets up uh, the context of chapter 2. Uh, Peter has written to those that have obtained like precious faith in chapter 1. And he's reminded them uh, of the fact that they have all things uh, that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Uh, they're not they're not been abandoned. They've not been left empty. Uh, but they have those great and precious promises of verse 4 uh, where, whereby they are partakers of the divine nature and uh, they escape the corruption um, that is in the world through lust. And then in verse 5, and he says, besides all this, he says, add to your faith virtue. And uh, as we've looked earlier, uh, there's a list of those things. You add uh, virtue, you add knowledge uh, to virtue, and then temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and finally charity. All of those are in order for a reason. And uh, as, as we add those things to our faith, they allow us to grow and mature in our faith. And Peter points this out in verse 8 he says for if these things be in you and abound they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful uh, in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ no one wants to be barren as a christian no one wants to be unfruitful uh, because he says in verse 9 he says but he that lacketh these things uh, is blind and cannot see afar off in other words, they have no spiritual sight whatsoever. Uh, they, they cannot look and uh, have discernment in their life. And he even goes a step further. He says, uh, he says, and uh, hath forgotten that they were purged from their old sins. And uh, so uh, these things, as he's setting things up for chapter two, uh, he's writing these things to help them to grow and mature in their faith that they might be fruitful in the knowledge of christ and there's a reason for that peter understands that he's not going to live forever uh, he understands that his time is about up uh, as you look at um, verse 14 he says knowing that shortly i must put off this my tabernacle he says even as our lord jesus christ hath showed me you remember there in john chapter 21 uh, where the lord spoke to him about that and he understands that he's going to be leaving they're going to need that written word 
and uh, and he is going to encourage them in this written word uh, verses 16 through 18 he's going to point out the fact uh, that they've not fo followed cunningly devised fables uh, but Peter and the apostles, they were eyewitnesses of these things. They, uh, they knew Jesus personally. They heard the things. They heard uh, the voice from heaven, God the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But Peter takes it a step further in verse 19. He says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. What's a more sure word uh, than eyewitnesses? What's a more sure word than someone saying they heard this? Well, a more sure word is what we have in the scriptures. Uh, you take the birth of Christ. Uh, 400 years before uh, Christ came, Isaiah had prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. Uh, Isaiah prophesied that a son would be born. Uh, Micah prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. All of those things have happened over centuries and to the minute detail of Jesus coming, how he would preach, the attitude he would have, uh, the very death that he would die, the miracles and his forerunner John the Baptist, on and on you can go. All of those things have been fulfilled to the minute detail. Why did man come up with those things? Were I, was Isaiah and Micah and all of those just really smart men? No. Peter tells us this in verse 20. He says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Those words private interpretation means that uh, it, it was not the prophet's thoughts uh, that were pinned down. They didn't say, Isaiah didn't say, well, you know, I think Israel needs this or here's the problem with Israel. No, uh, what, what we have in scripture as verse 21 says, he says, for the script, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. You see that qualifies any private interpretation he says but holy men of god spake how did they spake uh, they were moved by the holy ghost that's what inspiration is what we have in our bibles today it is god uh, it is god breathed it's god's word as jesus said in matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What Jesus was doing right there, uh, he was showing the validity, uh, he was showing the authority, uh, he was showing the inspiration, uh, the God-breathed element of the Old Testament as he was putting his uh, seal of approval on that. And so what Peter has done, now stop and think with me, he has uh, encouraged them uh, of they ha they have all that they need in in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's told them to add these things to their faith that they might mature and might know, might have a living and vibrant relationship with Christ because he's leaving. Because Peter is leaving, uh, he's not going to be there to instruct them. But Peter says, "Listen, you have the Word of God." Uh, it didn't come by man's will. These holy men of God, they penned these things when they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now in chapter 2, as chapter 1 has set the tone 
for chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2, Peter is going to uh, begin warning these Christians. And he's going to warn them of false teachers. Uh, the first thing I want you to see in verse 1, Peter tells them, beware of false teachers. Verse 1 says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Now, when he says there were false prophets also among the people, he's pointing back to chapter 1 and verse 21, that these the prophecy came not in old time. Well, just as the prophecy came in old time and God's prophets, men like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, as you read through those prophets, what do you find? Uh, you find men like Hananiah uh, that withstood Jeremiah. And he told the people uh, the exact opposite of what Jeremiah was prophesying. And, and so just as they had false prophets among them, uh, Peter said, listen, you need to be aware of this. He's a warning them that as they were false prophets also among the people, he says, uh, there shall also be <clears throat> false teachers among you. And watch what he says of these uh, people. Uh, he says, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. Uh, those words privately shall bring in. Uh, that's one Greek word. It, it, it means to come from the side without authority. Just like the uh, Hananiah withstood Jeremiah. Uh, he had he did not have the authority of the inspiration of God on his part and he came in from the side to deceive the people and notice this is what these false teachers are going to do uh, they're going to come outside the realm of inspiration and they're going to bring in damnable heresies uh, that means that uh, what they teach is going to be destructive it's going to be destructive to the people uh, it's going to give them a false hope uh, of eternal life uh, you think about a well of water uh, that's uh, been dug near someone's house you know it's giving out fresh water uh, it's good for the person but you take a gallon of poison and you pour that poison into it is it in its volume more than the well, the water that's in the well? No, it's not. But it only takes that gallon of water to poison the whole well and make it not uh, able for man to drink that and get what he needs from that. And these heresies that they are going to be bring in, they're going to bring in damnable heresies. Uh, you remember back in the book of Galatians, Paul talked about uh, those Judaizers coming in and they were perverting the gospel. Uh, you see, when you change the gospel, which is meant to save men, uh, when you change that and give man a false hope, that which was meant to save man becomes that which damns man. And here these false teachers, as they come in with this damnable heresy, notice what he says in verse 1 even denying the Lord that bought them. Uh, they're denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves 
swift destruction. When they're denying the Lord, what are they denying about the Lord? Uh, they're, they're denying his person and his work. Notice Peter said that bought them. What did Jesus buy? He paid sin's debt, didn't he? When he hung there on the cross, his blood was shed for the sins of the world. Past, present, and future. There's no one that will come to Christ and he said, well, you know, I just didn't, I, I just didn't have enough to pay for your sins. I've already paid for 10 million people. I can't pay for 10 million in one. No, when he shed his blood, he wrought, he bought redemption for everyone. He paid the entire sin debt. That is why man must come to him. You see, everybody loves Jesus until they find out who he really is. You see, Jesus paid sin's debt for every sin ever committed. But mankind must repent and in faith turn to him for the forgiveness of sin. These false teachers, they are denying the sinfulness of mankind and the need of repentance and faith being there together for salvation. Now, he's speaking of lost people. He's writing to save people, warning them about the false teaching of lost people. And here we, we see that he says that the Lord bought them. Uh, you remember what 1 John says, uh, in first John chapter two and uh, verse one, he says, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation. That word propitiation means appeasement. He's the satisfaction for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. Uh, these false teachers come and, and they say, well, you know, man has always been. Uh, man, death has always been. And, and because death has always been, man has evolved, you know, and man didn't bring death in by a fall. Uh, and that's a lot of what's being said today. That man, you know, there was no real fall. Man just has not evolved yet he's not finished yet he's getting better and better but you see here's the problem uh the bible teaches us that by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin man fell and because man sinned against god man needs a savior that first adam brought sin into the world well because of that first adam we need the last adam Jesus Christ. You see, when you mess with the first Adam and you make him not essential, uh, then there's no need for salvation through Jesus Christ. That is a damnable heresy. And here these men, they bring in these damnable heresies, even denying uh, the Lord that bought them. And notice, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. God is paying attention. Words do matter. Uh, words do have meaning. 
Uh, truth is not relevant uh, to what someone thinks. Truth is what God has already established. But secondly, I want you to see here in verse 2, Peter tells them to be aware of their ways. How do these false teachers come? Uh, what are their way of getting in the hearts and the minds of people? Watch verse 2. He says, And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Pernicious ways. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. They speak evil of truth. Uh, they they play to man's desire to have what he knows is wrong by deceiving man by speaking evil of the truth, which in turn makes man's conscience numb. These pernicious ways here he speaks of he speaks of unbridled lust, shamelessness, uh, that there's no shame with sin. Uh, it also refers to the fruit of the heresies, which results in a immoral life. We, we live the way we believe. That's what culture is. Culture is a group of people living a certain way because of the way that they believe. But I want you to notice here, verse 2, he says, And many shall follow their pernicious ways not a few kind of reminds us of what jesus said back there in matthew chapter 7 about the broad way he says many is going to go down that broad way to destruction he says but few go down that narrow way uh to life uh, but he says their way here uh is to have pernicious ways, uh, unbridled, shameless. They're going to take uh, the restraint off of the flesh. Can I tell you, a false teacher will always push for that. And he will always say this, well, the thing, the way we used to believe, the way the church used to teach these, and the standards that the church used to have, those were not right. And somehow all the time, uh, he's releasing man's desire for his own lust. And the way of truth, the outworking of the truth in the life of the believer. Uh, they say, you know, uh, that truth should not uh, form your worldview. It, it should not hinder you. You want to have your best life now. God knows you have these desires and, and all of these things. You do what you want to do. Well, can I tell you, that's a mark of a false teacher. Uh, that he uh, is trying to change man's conscience, make man's conscience uh, to be comfortable in their sin. That's his way. And Peter is saying, beware of their ways. But notice verse 3. Uh, he tells them, Beware, be aware of their way of trapping you. Uh, how, how do they trap people? Look in verse 3. He says, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. These feigned words here, this word feigned here is the Greek word plastos. 
Uh, it's the word that we get our English word plastic from. Uh, the idea is that their words may be stretched or shortened or something uh, left out to fit anything that someone wants. You've seen the videos of how uh, they mold plastic uh, toys and things like that. Get that plastic hot board and they set it on that mold. That same plastic can be a car. Uh, it can be a, a, a music box. It can be a doll. Whatever, whatever needs to be fit at the time, uh, their words will fit it. Uh, there is no doctrinal line. There, there is no truth line with them they can line up with anybody under any circumstances and he says they do that notice what he says and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you uh, they're doing that to exploit they're doing that for their own fame they're doing that for their uh, their own self-affirmation. They're doing that because they have an agenda uh, for themselves, not to help the people, but to promote themselves. If telling someone a lie is what they need to do to get what they want out of it, then that's okay. Now notice what he says of these though. Verse 3. He says, whose judgment now of a long time, notice, lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. In other words, their judgment uh, is not asleep somewhere. He gives the picture of it setting up alert, just waiting on the call of God to come. Now, lastly, today, I want you to see this. We only got a few more minutes in verses 4 through 6, uh, Peter warns them to be aware of their impending judgment. And what he's going to show here is that God is paying attention and that God will not spare. One day they will stand before God for what they say. We see the insanity around America today. We never thought that we would be in this place that we're in today. Uh, where churches, anything goes and uh, anything can be said. And, and we look at it and we wonder, you know, how long is this going to happen? Well, Peter says, listen, don't you worry about that. Uh, beware of their impending judgment. Watch what he says in verse 4. Uh, look at the first couple words of verse 4 and then the first couple words of verse 5. He says, for if God spared not, and then he says it again in verse 5, and spared not the old world. You see, there's coming a day when they will stand before God and the judgment that they receive will be a just judgment. Now, Peter uses for his first example of this impending judgment, he uses the angels that when uh, Satan rebelled against God, and uh, a third of the angels followed him. You can see that later. Uh, you find Isaiah 14, 12, Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19, speaking of uh, Satan's rebellion against God. And then you find Revelation chapter 
uh, 12 verses 3, 4, and 9 there, uh, where the angel, third of the angels are following him. And uh, we know that one day uh, they're cast into the lake of fire, as Jesus said in Matthew 25, 41, that that place was made for the devil and his angels. And so Peter uses them here as a uh, proof of impending judgment. He says, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. They're reserved unto judgment. There's coming a day judgment is coming to them. And so he uses the fallen angels. Now look at verse 5. He uses the old world of Noah's day. Verse 5 says, And spared not the old world, uh, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. Uh, for over a hundred years, Noah, uh, he preached righteousness uh, as he built that ark. Uh, God looked down upon the, uh, the day in which Noah lived. He said, It repented me that I've even made man I'm going to destroy man. And Jesus even uh, uh, spoke about this day uh, of Noah's day. Uh, Peter says here in verse 5, he says, Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And so he pointed to that. Jesus pointed to it in Matthew 24. Listen to what jesus said in matthew 24 and verse 37 he says this he says but as the days of noah were so shall also the coming of the son of man be he says for as in the days that were before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You see, Jesus believed that the historical account of Noah was a literal account. What good would it be to warn people of his coming if, uh, if the account of Noah in the Old Testament was just an allegory, if it was just a poem, if it was just a fictional thing. Uh, no, he took it as a literal account. He says, listen, this literally happened in the Old Testament. God flooded the earth, killed everyone that breathed air through their nostrils. Uh, the water went above the highest mountains. God judged the world. And the same way, he said, so shall it be the coming of the Son of Man. Can I tell you one reason today we need to be aware of false prophets? Because he's coming one day. One day everyone will be standing before him. And what we believe today about the Lord Jesus determines where we spend all of eternity. Now, we, we're going to stop right there today, uh, but I just want to emphasize that today, that as First Peter has told us uh, to 
to draw from the wells of the salvation that we have, to be growing, to be maturing, uh, that we not be blind, that we can see afar off. Can I tell you, as we open the pages, even in Second Peter, we can see afar off that judgment is coming to this world. And everyone that rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, harsh, eternal punishment is coming upon them. But there's false teachers out there. There's false prophets, just like they were in the Old Testament. There are those here today that says, listen, uh, G- there's many ways to heaven He that Jesus is not the only way. You don't have to repent of your sins. You don't have to put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, you and I that are saved that know Christ today, it is our job today uh, to be a trumpet in this day. In this day when there's such a perversion of the gospel, it's our day today uh, to take it and use our life to be profitable for our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you for being here today. I hope you'll come back with us as we continue to go through the book of Second Peter. And uh, we'll pick up in these verses next time we see you. God bless you.